You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Grow Show. Today on the show, I have Brandon Messier, uh, founder and executive director at Faithful Stewards. Brandon, welcome to the show. Thank you, Zach. I appreciate you having me to share a little bit about our ministry. Yeah, thanks for being on. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So tell me a little bit about Faithful Stewards. What's the backstory? How did you guys get started? Uh, what was your original call? Okay, well, Faithful Stewards was started 10 years ago by my wife, Alicia, and myself. And um, it's a nonprofit in the El Dorado Hills and surrounding communities. And our goal was to help our community become not known for how much we have, but for how much we give. Um, one of our main tagline is we are partnering with others in positively impacting lives. And you guys are, El Dorado Hills is a, a more affluent area, correct? Yeah, it is. That was one of the reasons um, why I wanted to start that. I just felt like we've been given so much and with those that have been given much, uh, much is required. So I, I just felt like we had the opportunity that we could do, do so much um, with what we've been given in our community. Awesome. So what is it that Faithful Stewards does? What do you guys, what do you guys, what's the work that you guys are doing? Maybe specifically in Nicaragua. Yeah, I can explain. It's a little hard to uh, put it in a nutshell because we're involved in so so many different aspects. Um, stewardship is uh, a general word for being a manager and that, that we've all been um, given different, uh, we've all been given time. We all have different talents and we all have different resources and treasures. So it's kind of a, about each person using what, what they've been given to to uh, bless bless others and uh, bring glory to God in that process. Um, so like I said, um, sometimes we're a connector with certain people's talents and, and uh, other people that, ha- that have a need. Uh, for example, a couple of years ago, we had um, a mechanic that wanted to, that was talented in fixing cars and, um, and wanted to use his time. So we had a lot of single moms that their cars broke down, they couldn't get to work and, you know, things start to snowball. So we kind of connected that um, opportunity where a gentleman would uh, come out to some of the low income apartments and fix, fix vehicles for free. And um, so that's just one, one, one example anyways, but um, a couple of things we're working on right now as we're approaching the holidays. Um, we have a holiday meal sponsorship program that we're working on where uh People can provide a turkey and all the all the fixings for a Thanksgiving meal, and then um, right around the corner after that, we have a couple of Christmas programs. We run an adopt a family program locally, uh, providing gifts and, and needs for usually about 125 to 200 families locally. And then we also have a Christmas in Nicaragua program that this will be our seventh annual year. Uh, running a, a big Christmas celebration out out there in Nicaragua with the community about going to be for about three three hundred children and their families this year, 
and it's a huge celebration. The kids get a meal, gift, candy, then they're going to be in part of a big uh, treasure hunt, and they have a time of worship and uh, dancing. And so, anyways, it's exciting to be able to offer that opportunity out there again this year. Yeah, that's awesome. So, tell me a little bit how a little bit about how that manifests your work uh, in Nicaragua. What you guys are doing in that community specifically in in Nicaragua. Yeah, so like I said, we started Faithful Stewards 10 years ago, and our, our original goal was to find some needs in our own community that people could get involved with. And then we wanted to partner with one place globally. And um, through, oh, I, I went to a leadership summit conference and came across an organization called Orphan Network. And I talked to them for a while and just really loved the focus that they had in, in Nicaragua. And so my wife and I flew out there and spent a week um, just discovering and, and being shown all the different areas that they were involved with. And on our last day, we uh, came across a community called Nueva Vida that was a resettlement community from a hurricane from uh, 1996. And we just immediately fell in love with the community and saw amazing opportunity to get involved there. Uh, both of us just felt, felt led like that was going to be our be our place and it has been ever since we've had 11 straight trips there bringing different people from our community and uh lots of lots of different support programs out there from micro enterprise startups um, feeding programs uh, we've built businesses classrooms education sports sponsorships um anyways just lots of different ways that we've been been able to be involved with blessing that community that's awesome so what made you guys choose one specific community rather than maybe doing a bunch of short-term trips to a, a broader range of places? Um, I I just personally believe in ha- having your own niche that um, there's lots of uh, places all over that, that can use help. And uh, I, I just kind of believe in focusing in on one area that you can do the, the most impact um, f- focusing instead of spreading yourself too thin one of my favorite parts is that we go back to the same community every year. So we see the same people we can build upon previous years and, and relationships. And uh, that's my favorite aspect of it, that we're not just going in and doing a little project and leaving and never see the people again. We were in touch throughout the year and, and uh, come, come back every year to visit. So that's awesome. Our, fa- our family away from home out there. Right. Well, and it can it creates a lot deeper relationships probably, and and allows for some opportunity for you guys to invest in sustainability in one community. Yeah, exactly. So you know, we as we build more and more partnerships out there, and then we can come back each year and see 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 how the impact is being made, and and also maybe see some areas that 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 aren't being effective that we can you know can continue to adapt and make changes and. Yeah, it's exciting. So I want to I want to expand on that idea of of investing in sustainability within one community. So how did you guys go about or come up with the idea to um, create these micro enterprise micro enterprises within that one community? So maybe talk about your baker bakery and and the education programs and the feeding programs. Um, what was what was behind that and and how did you guys go about? investing in that approach 
Okay. Um, yeah, the, the first program we started, I, I don't know if you call it microenterprise, but it was a, a feeding program. So our first trip there, what really led us um, to, to want to do more was uh, there's a, a Pastor Berman that runs the church there that you are familiar with. Yes. You uh, have been on one, just one, one trip or two with us? Yeah, we've been on one trip with you guys. So when we were there, we met a pastor that has a church property and uh, he had a feeding program, but they could only afford to feed 50 kids a day with the funding that they had. And when we were out there, we got to witness the, the lunch program and there was, you know, kids coming in the gate to get fed. And unfortunately, there was about like 75 kids outside of a barbed wire fence that were hoping that somebody wouldn't show up that day so they could get added to that program. But um, so that, that just really tore us apart when we when we saw kids that weren't able to get a meal and and like I said, I, I know that you know, we live in a pretty affluent area and that after talking to the pastor, you know, realizing that it would only cost about 50 cents a day to add kids. So we started a Partner for Hope program where for $15 a month, someone could come in and uh, financially sponsor kids. So we were getting pictures of the kids and their ages and, you know, running a little sponsorship program. So that we were able to grow that up to 200 200 kids a day getting fed and then uh since wow. then we've started uh um yeah that's great um and then we also started just about three years ago it's called vaso de leche a glass of milk so it's a, a breakfast program a, a light you know milk and bread and a little little nourishment before the kids go to school so i think that's four or five years ago we start started that program so they could get a little something in their stomachs before they go to school and also they had a bakery um on the same property and um, our first trip was some junior high students from a church that uh, wanted to go out there and they raised money to um, help expand the bakery and uh, provide more more jobs and a bigger space to uh, uh, be able to increase their uh, product outtake, I guess you'd call it. Um, and so we were able to expand that and there's about 15 to 18 men that are provided full-time jobs through that bakery and providing uh Bread for the community and different stores around. Um, so yeah, I'm really passionate about finding opportunities where people can be self-sufficient to provide for their their families. Yeah, that's awesome. So when we went with you guys a couple of years ago, that was that was a relatively new venture you were diving into. So it's exciting to see how that has grown and flourished. Yeah, about um, the next year, one of our projects. Um, was to set up a cafe on that same property and that provides a job for three women and they are able to sell, you know, make lunches and sell sodas and candy. And um, it provides a good opportunity for people in the community to come fellowship and have a meal and provides more income. Yeah, that's as well awesome. As, uh, we, yeah, we built it. I think it was after your trip that we built an English uh, classroom on the same property and we used to have about 25, 30 kids a week come teach English English classes through a professor and our translator, Hamilton, uh -huh. that's a part of all our trips. And uh, that class has expanded to about 400 people every week that come in now. And it's um, one thing I, I was mentioning earlier to you that one thing that's neat is the kids that started out at the beginner and then got to intermediate and finally um, graduated through the advanced program those students are now teaching their own classes. So they, there's 10 of those students teaching their classes there to help um, just 
help provide other opportunities for kids to learn the language and um, other valuable topics and uh, skill sets. And several of them have uh, recently re received uh, full-time um, job opportunities, uh, teaching teaching English to students. And That's also, um, yeah, with um, it provides a lot of opportunities for all the travel and tourism out there, too, for people that, that can learn the English language. Yeah, that's incredible. So is that, are you guys providing jobs to the students that are coming back and teaching those classes or is that just helping them um, develop as teachers so that they can go and then use those skills in the workplace? Um, we send a love offering to them each month, but it's not enough to really provide, provide an income, but just a little way of at least uh, saying thank you for their work. And most of most of them, it, it does um, help them expand a lot. You know, one of the best ways to uh, to learn yourself is when you're teaching others, and so it's been a great opportunity for them to continue to learn and put something on their resume as well. That's Most really of cool. them are just happy happy to be able to give back. They're all appreciative of the opportunity they've been given, so they're they're happy to happy to give back to the next generation. That's great. So, and what have you guys been up to lately? Now that um that's kind of a, a little bit established. You guys are, I know you're moving into this Frisbee golf thing. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, like I said, um, faithful stewards, it's about using your passions and your talents and stuff. And I, um, wouldn't call it my talent, but one of my passions, um, <laughs> <laughs> has been discovering the sport of disc golf in the last uh, three years. My brother and I started playing, um, and just really uh, enjoying it. So we started a disc golf club in our community for um, boys in the low income apartment complex that we work out of. So we started a weekly club and uh, when the kids have school off, we take them to different courses to play. And it's just been a great, uh, great avenue to reach out to kids and do something that we enjoy doing and sharing that with others. And then in January, we started um, another nonprofit that's a division of Faithful Stewards, but it's called Impact Disc Golf. And we partner with several of the world's uh, top professional players. And what we're doing, the first phase is we're demonstrating, introducing, I should say, and demonstrating the sport into all the local schools, um, churches, youth groups, clubs, and uh Primarily, we're running uh, the PE clinics also in the schools, introducing the sport. And then we have programs, um, some after-school programs that are getting started at different schools or weekly clubs that the kids that express interest and want to learn more, they can um, get involved at a, at a deeper level after that. That's cool. So how did you guys build those relationships with the, with the professional Frisbee golf athletes? Well, one of our partners, Mark Brown, is has a lot of connections. Um, he has two championship 18-hole courses called Browns and Bows out in Marysville area. And uh, the founder of Disc Golf actually installed those courses, and he's built a lot of relationships. They have a lot of the top players all come play tournaments there each year. And uh, Jim Oates is um, a connection I met that's a local player. He's a five-time world champion. He's been a professional for 30 years. He's one of the other partners with Impact Disc Golf. And after we started that, then we started um, just building other relationships with some of the local players that offer to give back to the sport that's uh, brought so much to them. And so they offered to uh, come out and help with us, 
help to grow the sport in a positive light. Yeah, that's really cool. So as you guys have grown this ministry and, and stepped out into this call that you, the Lord placed on your heart, what, 10 years ago, what are some of the strategies, uh, or sorry, what are the, some of the struggles and challenges that you guys have come up against? Um, I mean, obviously running a ministry is not any easy task. And so there's always struggles and challenges that we come up against. Um, so what are some of those that you guys have had to deal with and go through and, and, um, allow the Lord to guide you and walk you through? Yeah, so um, I would say just a couple of challenges or or struggles. I guess um, when we started our ministry, my goal was to never um, take any type of salary or payment. I wanted all all donations to go directly to the causes, and uh, luckily we've been able to to manage that for for ten years now. So I'm very excited for that. Um, but it also sometimes presents challenges when. Sometimes we've had opportunities where I might feel like I need to get a um, traditional job, and that would cut into our our ministry. But for whatever reason, um, God's always provided, um, and and my wife works full time, so she's also been a, a real blessing that's enabled us to continue our full time efforts on on the ministry all these these years. Uh, on top of just the support of you know all of our all of our members that gives give so generously and, and believe in what we're doing. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that's a challenge. And I, I would say the other challenge, I mean, it, it's an, a blessing and an opportunity at the same time, but the more, the more you are faithful in what you do, the more people that come to you. So I feel like, you know, sometimes that gets a, a lot of extra load on, on my shoulders as, as I'm trying, uh, focusing on being diligent to meet all the needs in our community a lot of times, lots of churches in different places send everyone my way, um, just because I know that I'm that I am am faithful with meeting needs. So that sometimes can be a little cumbersome as well. Right. So you guys are on a hundred percent model. Is that something you guys advertise when you go to church partners and and people that you hope to get on your support list, or is that something you just kind of keep on? on the back burner and, and don't really advertise. I wouldn't say it's advertised, but I, I try to let people know that because a lot of people are leery sometimes giving to different organizations when they know that only, you know, 15% of all money given is actually going to the causes and the rest is, you know, spent on overhead and salaries and buildings and all that. So I think it's an important aspect to let people know. Yeah, that's good. Cool. And so what are, with those stra- those struggles and challenges, obviously you guys have had some successes. So maybe share a little bit about the strategies you guys have employed to, to bring about some of those successes. Um, I would say, say one of the strategies we use is implementing like sponsorship programs when we're doing programs or raising funds. I we have people come along in the process, so so they're, they're equally involved and in, invested in it. So, for instance, the holiday meal program is um, it's a thirty-five dollar donation to provide a family with a meal. So we so people come alongside us and, and give to that, and then we try to share with them different experiences and pictures, and you know make things come come to life a little bit for the people that are giving. So it's so it's a, 
tangible effort for them. Same thing in our Nicaragua efforts each year. Whatever our um, programs or supports are going to be out there. Like last year, we took uh, 40 kids. We bust them out to do a disc golf program and a camping trip and horseback riding. So we figured out that's going to be $200, for instance. And so, so people could sponsor a child for that program or sponsor a child to go to the water park for a day or we do what's called drive-by blessings that um, are a blessing a home and a family in the community and that costs about $250 so people could give specifically to a program that they feel led to and then afterwards yeah we're able to provide them with pictures and updates throughout the year of how things are going and I, I just think that people appreciate that and, and it makes it tangible for them. Yeah, definitely. You guys are creating an experience for your supporters so that they're not, they're not just investing and then their money just disappears and they no, never know what happens with it. But you, you bring them along for the ride and you allow them to experience what that investment is doing, what it's doing in the lives of whoever you're blessing, whether it's children in Nicaragua or or communities around El Dorado Hills, like you're bringing, you're bringing that supporter into that experience and um, allowing them to be a part of that. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I just think people, when, when they see the huge impact being made, they, they want to give more and they want to be a part of that. It make, makes them feel good to be able to contribute to, you know, like I said, making a positive impact in people's lives and, and in communities. Yeah, for sure. So are you guys, employing some matching programs with with maybe your some of your uh your sponsorship program so if, if someone invests then you'll have a, a match donor that will match whatever investment you're able no, to get I, no i haven't actually um been involved with that but i'm open to any suggestions <laughs> well that's something that's something that um I think uh, Link Ministries, Leonard Lee talked about that in one of our previous podcasts, but this idea that, hey, when you go to your supporters, you're you're coming to them with, I've got someone that's willing to match whatever I'm able to get in donations up to a certain amount. So he'll, he'll go out and find someone that's willing to match up to $10,000. So as long as he goes out and finds $10,000, that match donor will, will pay up to that on that match. So he could, he could double double down and, and come away with 20 grand if, if he is able to find $10,000 up front from, from some supporters. I, I know a few of our donors have had their uh, companies or employers offer something like that at times for them. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. i have to look more into that though. So, so that's a good segue into uh, our next question. Um, obviously for any 501 C three, uh, fundraising is a huge necessity in t- in growing a successful ministry. So, what is your guys' approach to fundraising? And maybe speak specifically to a failed approach, something that didn't work early on, and and a successful approach, something that you guys have seen has been really successful year in and year out. Yeah, so I would say the most successful approach, or the, the area that I choose to focus most of my attention is is in that sponsorship program. So. But I think I just explained that enough probably, but um, that that's the approach I use the most. And then on top of that, we just do one annual fundraiser each year, and that's um, our wine and desserts uh, silent auction fundraising event. 
and each year that goes to support our Nicaragua trip that we do usually about a month before we, we leave and that up um, offers an opportunity for people that are going on our trip to raise some money to support support them and, and the programs that we're going to be offering that year. Other than that, we've done a few little, you know, at the, the first few, we tried a few car washes and did a couple other spaghetti feeds, tried a few different things that just weren't really worth the, the time and effort to raise money. And um, another challenging part was is uh, grant writing. I think for me, I, I feel like I spent quite a bit of time and energy trying to get a few grants going and we, we've received a few, but they also, you know, take a lot of energy and kind of take, takes it away from, from my ministry efforts and, the amount of grants that we wrote versus the ones we got were not, were not huge. And then usually they want you to fit into their exact mold and not really supporting this sort of what our specific goals and efforts were. So that could be a little challenging. Yeah. But I feel like just being diligent, focusing my, my efforts on our ministry and people see the value in that and what we're doing and they'll want to give towards it Definitely. and be a part of it. So how many how many people do you guys usually have at your fundraiser? I would say about a it's varied a little bit, but maybe a hundred to hundred and fifty. And are you doing like a silent auction and dinner, or is it just a really quick short hour hour and a half event where it's just appetizers? What does that look like? Yeah, we've changed it a little bit each year, but usually we usually it's just a real fun event. We have yes tables with silent auction items, raffles. We have a lot of entertainment going, so we've um, hired live bands. We've had dance teams come in and perform. Um, piano player came, sung and played, and uh, so we have a lot of entertainment through the night. And it's a good time for people in the community to come and hang out and support a good cause. Um, yeah, a lot of good silent auction items, um, and then we offer wine tasting and tons of desserts and appetizers that are included. Oh, cool. And so people are purchasing a ticket to come to the event. Yep, and that that includes all of the uh, yeah the entertainment and the wine wine and appetizers, all that. And do you guys usually have an underwriter for your fundraiser? No. So the tickets, the hope is that the tickets will fund the cost or pay for the cost of the event, and then whatever you get on silent auction, exactly, is the profit. Yep. Okay, cool. Very cool. And do you guys uh, match that silent auction with a live auction at the end of the night, or is it just um, a silent auction? We were thinking of – we've only done silent auction, but we were thinking of possibly adding a, a live auction uh, in the next event. Very cool. Yeah, that was kind of fun to add. I went to a couple other events that did that, and I thought it added a nice element to it. Yeah, we just went to um, – a couple of weeks ago, we went to the Alternatives Pregnancy Center fundraiser, and my um, and they had silent auction at the beginning of the night, and then you transitioned into dinner, and I think part way through dinner they started their live auction and programs. Um, so it was it was a nice um, it was a nice balance. Like it was a really successful fundraiser. They did really well that evening, um, and we're going to actually have. Uh, Alternatives Pregnancy Center executive director on the show in a, in a week or two, but um, oh, nice! Just to, I, I really want to dive into that how their their approach to building that fundraiser because it was so successful and um, did 
did really well. So yeah, um, I'd like to listen to that. I think that could bring a, a lot of value to, to some ministry executives, but um, yeah, just interesting to hear different ministry approaches to how they do fundraisers and um, what's successful, what's not successful, what they've had a good time with, what has been, you know, I mean, sometimes fundraisers are just a flop. And so um, what that balance is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely feel like, you know, most of our fundraisers, it's been been good. I mean, people have a lot of fun and we usually raise, you know, seven, eight thousand dollars towards the event, which is goes a long ways when we're doing a, a trip. But I know like, you know, certain food banks and different um nonprofits that have run events, I know sometimes they're up in the, you know, fifty thousand dollar plus range for yeah what they bring in. So yeah, it's a big big difference. So that's that's crazy. Yeah. So that's good. Um I want to transition real quick before we end. Uh, one more question um, that I'd like to ask. So, how how are you guys working discipleship into your programs? You obviously have a, a wide range of programs that you offer. You're you're working locally within your own community, and then you're working globally within that community in Nicaragua. So, how are you guys working discipleship into those programs? Will you explain the discipleship to me, or your definition of that, just so I know? Uh, so I can answer it appropriately. <laughs> so how are you guys bringing the gospel into what you guys are doing? So obviously your programs, the the role of the program is to share the love of Jesus, right? The the actual works of loving like Jesus loved. Um, and then how do you bring the gospel into that? Gotcha. Okay. Um, well, a couple different ways. Um, one area, one program that we started run, running – a while back called vibe um, that was a program partnering with our uh, Lake Hills Church I don't know if I really explained it earlier but a lot of the, the work we do is at low-income apartments in our community mm-hmm. um, mainly kids you know low-income but also most of them about 80% of them are you know single moms or grandmas raising their kids as well so that that's kind of been the primary focus of, of our efforts over the years but um, one program we ran called Vibe, where we partnered with our um, high school youth group. And um, what we would do is once a month, we would um, take the kids from the apartments um, to the, their Sunday school class or youth group uh, program on Sunday morning. Uh, then we'd come back after church for kids that didn't want to be involved with church, but they still wanted to be involved with our Vibe program. So we'd come back and get those kids and we'd open up the church each month to Kids could play basketball. Sometimes we'd, you know, do dodgeball. We'd do carnivals. We'd bring horse rides out, um, bounce houses, uh, provide lunch. So it's just a great, great opportunity to uh, bring the kids to church and just uh, have a fun, fun event. Something that they could look forward to each month. Right. Um, that that was one specific program. I uh, I run a weekly girls Bible study at my at my house that's open to any of the kids from the apartments or community that want to come to our house. And um, we've been doing that for about five years now. Um, we also partner with a lot of the local churches. So a lot of the time I, I run a weekly uh, program at the park every week. That's where um, I just, I bring dinner out for all the kids and the families out there and we play games and have dinner. And afterwards I drop most of the kids off at a, uh, Wednesday night youth group at Rolling Hills Church that the kids go to, and 
a lot of the different churches run vacation Bible schools throughout the year. And uh, so they offer scholarships. So I kind of am a connector with the kids, getting them forms and getting them scholarships so they can come to some of the different you know church programs that are going on. So um, anyways, that explains a little bit of that, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And then with within Nicaragua, you guys are partnering with Pastor Berman, right? And so is is there some strategy that you guys are working with him as as far as his because he's the he's the guy on the ground every day. Um, you're obviously not in Nicaragua every day, and so are, is there some partnership with him on that discipleship focus within their programs down there? Yeah, much everything they do out there is discipleship focused, and and he is a pastor and a runs a church, so yeah, everything they do pretty much has has a. Uh, has that intent in mind and uh so we're happy to support all the programs he has like when they're doing the christmas in nicaragua too it's a time they have a time where they can share about the love of god um with the kids at christmas and explain more more what that what that means yeah Um, yeah with him and hamilton is also um is a pastor out there and our translator and english teacher and uh so He's uh, very. In- he actually has a Saturday discipleship program at the the um, one of the local schools in there, and has 150 or so kids each Saturday come out and and have a, a program specifically around discipleship. So yeah, that's we great. Helped, we helped with that. That he started that about a year ago. Very cool. That's awesome. Well, Brandon, this has been really great. Um, that's about all the time we have. But before we get off, I want to. Uh, pray for your ministry. Is that okay? Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, Zach. Yeah, for sure. Father, I just lift up Faithful Stewards and Brandon. I pray that you would um, just continue to go before him and Faithful Stewards and uh, guide Brandon in in the direction you want him to go. I pray that you would speak to him audibly and that he would um, follow after you, that he would cling to you, and that um, lives would be changed for your name and for your kingdom. Father, I just lift up Faithful Stewards and pray that you would um, grow it immensely, that it would uh, have a positive impact for your kingdom and for the gospel within Eldorado Hills and the surrounding region and, and then within Nicaragua where Faithful Stewards has invested um, immensely within that little community down there. And so I just pray for them. I pray for Brandon and pray that you would give him strength and guidance and uh, as he follows you and is obedient to your call. Thank you so much. We thank you that you love us. We love you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Zach. I appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Brandon, how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about Faithful Stewards, want to partner with you guys, and and uh, just maybe follow along with what you guys are doing? I'd say the best way is probably on our Facebook. Under um, It's actually just got switched to Brandon Masir. Uh Facebook made me take uh, Faithful Stewards off and just uh, have a personal name. So that unfortunately just happened in the last week or two. But Brandon Messier, M-E-C-I-E-R. Um, so that's a good way to connect with us. And uh, we put all of our opportunities, um, upcoming events and stuff on that. And also we have um, a distribution list via email. So anybody can send, send me a message and I can add them on to, to our email distribution list. And they can contact me at brandon at faithfulstewards.net. Awesome. So with that faith, that Facebook, was that a a personal Facebook page 
like a individual Facebook account that you had for Faithful Stewards and it was just titled Faithful Stewards, but you was using it essentially as a personal account? Yeah, I I never really wanted a personal account. The only reason I set up Facebook years ago was was to promote the ministry, but it was yeah, so it was under Faithful Stewards. It was a and they I think have set it up so they only want individual names, whatever name you go by. Right. To be used, so they uh, contacted me a couple weeks ago and had me uh, change it. So now it's just Brandon Masir. It's have you guys looked into having a fan page, like a page that people can like for Faithful Stewards? Um, I've I've been doing this for like seven years that way, so I've got all my accounts already, you know, set up on there. Uh, how it was set up, but um, through our Impact Disc Golf, I set up a a page for that. Oh, okay, cool. So I. Yeah, I could. I'll probably just leave it how it is. But, um, but yeah, I think most people know. Most people are aware of uh, what my page is about. Very cool. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate your time and and investment in helping us out. And so, yeah, you bet. Thanks for thinking of us and wanting to share some of our uh, ministry opportunities with others. Yeah, of course. We wish you guys the best. You bet. We'll talk soon. Uh, Have a great day, Zach. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, We would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at ReliantCreative.org. See you next time.